Chapter 2. Pharma Profits Over Public Health Of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It would be better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep, his cupidity may at some point be satiated, but those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. C.S. Lewis For five decades, Dr. Anthony Fauci has wielded formidable power to fortify the pharmaceutical industry's explosive growth and its corrosive influence over our government regulatory agencies and public health policy. During his 50-year career, Dr. Fauci has nurtured a complex web of financial entanglements among pharmaceutical companies and the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, NIAID, and its employees that has transformed NIAID into a seamless subsidiary of the pharmaceutical industry. Dr. Fauci unabashedly promotes his sweetheart relationship with pharma as a public-private partnership. From his perch at NIAID, Dr. Fauci has used his $6 billion annual budget to achieve dominance and control over a long list of agencies and governing bodies, including the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, the Food and Drug Administration, FDA, Health and Human Services Agencies, HHS, the National Institutes of Health, NIH, the Pentagon, the White House, the World Health Organization, WHO, the United Nations Organizations, and into the deep pockets of the Clinton and Gates Foundations, and Britain's The Wellcome Trust. A Leviathan yearly grant budget gives Dr. Fauci power to make and break careers, enrich or punish university research centers, manipulate scientific journals, and to dictate not just the subject matter and study protocols, but also the outcome of scientific research across the globe. Since 2005, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA, has funneled an additional $1.7 billion into Dr. Fauci's annual discretionary budget to launder sketchy funding for biological weapons research, often of dubious legality. This Pentagon funding brings the annual total of grants that Dr. Fauci dispenses to an astonishing $7.7 billion, almost twice the annual donations of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Working in close collaboration with pharmaceutical companies and other large grant makers, including Bill Gates, the biggest funder of vaccines in the world, Dr. Fauci has consistently used his awesome power to defund, bully, silence, delicense, and ruin scientists whose research threatens the pharmaceutical paradigm and to reward those scientists who support him. Dr. Fauci rewards loyalty with prestigious sinecures on key HHS committees when they continue to advance his interests.
when the so-called independent expert panels license and recommend new pharmaceuticals. Dr. Fauci's control over these panels gives him the power to fast-track his pet drugs and vaccines through the regulatory hurdles, often skipping key milestones like animal testing or functional human safety studies. Dr. Fauci's funding strategies evince a bias for developing and promoting patented medicines and vaccines and for sabotaging and discrediting off-patent therapeutic drugs, nutrition, vitamins, and natural, functional, and integrative medicines. Under his watch, drug companies engineered the opioid crisis and made American citizens the globe's most over-medicated population. During his half-century as America's health czar, Dr. Fauci has played a central role in crafting a world where Americans pay the highest prices for medicine and suffer worse health outcomes compared to other wealthy countries. Adverse drug reactions are among the nation's top four leading causes of death after cancer and heart attacks. Dr. Fauci's impressive longevity at NIAID is largely due to his enthusiasm for promoting this pharma-centric agenda. NIAID, a pharma subsidiary. Under Dr. Fauci's management, NIAID has become the center of a web of corrupting financial ties with the pharmaceutical industry. Dr. Fauci's NIAID looks much more like a drug company than any sort of agency to advance science. I've been interviewing scientists for a long time in this country, and let me tell you something. There are two kinds, those who are serfs of Anthony Fauci and those who are genuine scientists. The serf class will refract whatever the latest Lysenkoism is from Fauci and NIAID. They are protecting their grants, says Celia Farber, whose 2006 Harper's article, Out of Control, AIDS and the Destruction of Medical Science, laid bare the culture of squalor, corruption, and violence at the Vendetta-Driven Division of AIDS, D-A-I-D-S. She wrote, The latter, genuine scientists, are the minority. They look, sound, and behave like scientists. And to varying degrees, they all live in a climate of both economic and reputational persecution. Peter Duisberg is one very famous example, but there are others. Fauci's vendetta system has many ways of crushing the natural scientific impulse to question and to demand proof. Breathtakingly, because of Fauci's impact since 1984, this tradition has been all but snuffed out in the U.S. Everybody is afraid. How many times have I heard that line? By all accounts, Anthony Fauci has implemented a system of dysfunctional conflicts and a transactional culture that have made NIAID a seamless appendage of Big Pharma. There is simply no daylight between NIAID and the drug makers. It's impossible to say where pharma ends and NIAID begins. It's like Ozark, says Farber. Researchers in NIAID's labs supplement their income with honoraria they earn by attending pharma seminars 
and briefing pharmaceutical company personnel with inside information about research progress on new drugs in NIAID's pipeline. Dr. Fauci's underlings routinely perform private projects for drug companies in their NIAID labs and take contract work running clinical trials for pharma's new drugs. Journalist and author Bruce Nussbaum reports that it is standard practice for Dr. Fauci's employees to pocket enough gravy from the deal flow to add 10 to 20 percent to their NIAID salaries from this sort of work. NIAID officials justify this controversial practice, arguing that the influx of pharmaceutical dollars strengthens NIAID's labs and allows the agency to retain talented staff. NIAID also deducts 40, 50, or 60% off the top of these contracts for overhead, cementing the agency's partnership with the industry. It's no surprise that a 2004 Office of Government Ethics investigation chided Dr. Fauci for failing to control the corrupting entanglements between his staffers and pharmaceutical companies. That report cited NIAID for failing to review and resolve possible ethical conflicts affecting two-thirds of NIAID's workers who were moonlighting in private industry. The investigators also found that NIAID had failed to obtain approval for a full 66% of outside activities the Institute had undertaken over the review period. Outside activities, according to the NIH, are undertakings that generally involve providing a service to or a function for an outside organization with or without pay or other compensation. That could include generating income from a pharmaceutical patent from a drug company, consulting for industry, obtaining silent or equity involvement with biotech firms, or conducting paid lectures and seminars. Dr. Fauci's management style thrives on creating many such opportunities for his agency and its employees to participate in profitable ventures with pharmaceutical companies. Dr. Fauci's drug development enterprise is rife with other corrupting conflicts. Most Americans would be surprised to learn, for example, that pharmaceutical companies routinely pay extravagant royalties to Dr. Fauci and his employees and to NIAID itself. Here is how the royalty system works. Instead of researching the causes of the mushrooming epidemics of allergic and autoimmune diseases, the function for which U.S. taxpayers pay his salary, Dr. Fauci funnels the bulk of his $6 billion budget to the research and development of new drugs. He often begins the process by funding initial mechanistic studies of promising molecules in NIAID's own laboratories before farming the clinical trials out to an old boys' network of some 1,300 academic principal investigators, or PIs, who conduct human trials at university-affiliated research centers and training hospitals, as well as foreign research sites. After these NIAID-funded researchers develop a potential new drug, NIAID transfers some or all of its share of the intellectual property to private pharmaceutical companies 
through HHS's Office of Technology Transfer. The university and its PIs can also claim their share of patent and royalty rights, cementing the loyalty of academic medicine to Dr. Fauci. Once the product gets to market, the pharmaceutical company pays royalties, a form of legalized kickbacks, through an informal scheme that allows pharma to funnel its profits from drug sales to NIAID and to the NIAID officials who worked on the product. Under a secretive, unpromulgated HHS policy, Dr. Fauci and his NIAID underlings may personally pocket up to $150,000 annually from drugs they helped develop at taxpayers' expense. The United States Department of Health and Human Services, HHS, is the named owner of at least 4,400 patents. On October 22, 2020, the United States Government Accountability Office, GAO, published a report titled Biomedical Research, NIH Should Publicly Report More Information About the Licensing of Its Intellectual Property. In this document, the authors reported that the NIH has received up to $2 billion in royalty revenue for NIH since 1991 when FDA approved the first of these drugs. Three licenses generated more than $100 million each for the agency. However, Dr. David Martin has reported that the NIH Office of Technology Transfer Licensing Records suggest that NIH was less than transparent with the GAO investigators. Conspicuously absent from the GAO report are over 130 NIH patents associated with active compounds generating billions of dollars in revenue. NIAID grants have resulted in 2,655 patents and patent applications, of which only 95 include an assignment to the Department of Health and Human Services as an owner. Dr. Fauci assigned most of these patents to universities, thereby making the ultimate commercial beneficiaries entirely opaque while binding the invaluable loyalty of American medical schools and the nation's most influential physicians to Dr. Fauci and his policies. Somewhat officially, one of the largest holders of NIAID-generated patents is SIGA Technologies, NASDAQ, SIGA. SIGA publicly acknowledges a close affiliation with NIAID but the GAO omits all mention of SIGA in its report. SIGA's CEO, Dr. Philip L. Gomez, spent nine years working for Dr. Fauci at NIAID, developing Dr. Fauci's signature vaccine programs for HIV, SARS, Ebola, West Nile virus, and influenza, before exiting to commercial ventures. While NIAID clearly developed SIGA's technology, the company reports revenue from NIAID, but no royalty or commercial payments to NIH or any of its programs. Eight U.S. patents list Dr. Anthony Fauci as an inventor. However, NIAID, NIH, and GAO do not list any of them in their reports of active licensing 
despite the fact that Dr. Fauci has acknowledged collecting patent royalties on his interleukin-2 invention. Furthermore, GAO reported none of NIAID's patents, despite clear evidence that Gilead Sciences and Janssen Pharmaceuticals, a division of Johnson & Johnson, have generated over $2 billion annually from sales directly resulting from NIAID-funded technologies. Missing from the GAO report are two patents for Janssen's Velcade that have generated sales in excess of $2.18 billion annually for many years. The GAO report also omits any mention of the patents for Yescarta, Lumoxity, or Kepavance, in violation of 37 U.S.C. Section 410.10 and 35 U.S.C. Section 202A. At least 13 of the 21 patents in the GAO report, including Dr. Fauci's Moderna vaccine, illegally failed to disclose government interest despite their indisputable NIH pedigrees. How big is Dr. Fauci's drug development enterprise? Since Dr. Fauci arrived at NIH, the agency has spent approximately $856.9 billion. Between 2010 and 2016, every single drug that won approval from the FDA, 210 different pharmaceuticals, originated at least in part from research funded by the NIH. Following drug approval, Dr. Fauci continues to collaborate with his pharmaceutical partners on promoting and pricing and profiting from their new product. Over the decades since Dr. Fauci took over NIAID, the agency has formalized an elaborate process of negotiating against U.S. taxpayers to allow pharma to extract maximum profits back from NIAID's germinated drugs. With NIAID's help, the lucky pharmaceutical company walks the new drug through accelerated FDA approval. The CDC then sets obscene retail prices for these collaborative products in secretive negotiations. Such sweetheart deals at taxpayer and consumer expense and accelerated approvals can yield direct financial benefits to NIAID, to Dr. Fauci's favorite employees, and even to Dr. Fauci himself. Dr. Fauci launched his career by allowing Burroughs Welcome, now GlaxoSmithKline, to charge $10,000 annually for azithromycin AZT, an antiretroviral medication developed exclusively by NIH and tested and approved by Dr. Fauci himself. Dr. Fauci knew that the product cost Burroughs Welcome a mere $5 per dose to manufacture. Higher profit for industry partners often means more extravagant royalty payments for his NIAID and NIH cronies. Another antiviral drug developed by Dr. Fauci's shop, Remdesivir, provides a recent example of a similar pharma money-making scheme facilitated by NIAID-NIH. While remdesivir proved worthless against COVID, Dr. Fauci altered the study protocols to give his pet drug the illusion of efficacy. 
Despite opposition from FDA and WHO, Dr. Fauci declared from the White House that remdesivir will be the standard of care for COVID, guaranteeing the company a massive global market. Dr. Fauci then overlooked Gilead's price gouging. The company sold remdesivir for $3,300 to $5,000 per dose during the COVID pandemic. The raw materials to make remdesivir cost Gilead under $10. Medicaid must, by law, cover all FDA-approved drugs, so taxpayers again foot the bill. Through these boondoggles, Anthony Fauci has made himself the leading angel investor of the pharmaceutical industry. The disparate treatment of patented versus less expensive off-patent COVID-19 drug treatments by federal health agencies clearly exposes Dr. Fauci's historic bias for high-ticket patent medicines that favor extravagant pharmaceutical industry profits over public health. A 2017 study in the Emory Corporate Governance and Accountability Review summarizes how compromised federal public health officials like Dr. Fauci have transformed NIAID, NIH, CDC, and FDA into pharmaceutical marketing machines. The Emory researchers paint drug and vaccine makers as thick as thieves, with HHS officials acting not as regulators, but as enablers, or perhaps worse still, they are complicit in questionable or ethically unsound activity as a result of being driven by self-serving motives. According to Dr. Michael Carome, a former HHS official and a director of the advocacy group Public Citizen, instead of a regulator and a regulated industry, we now have a partnership. That relationship has tilted the agency, HHS, away from a public health perspective to an industry-friendly perspective. Dr. Fauci is the human face of this corrupt dynamic. Under Dr. Fauci's leadership, the commercial features of this partnership have eclipsed his agency's mission to advance science. At NIAID, the pharma tail now wags the public health dog. Dr. Fauci has done almost nothing to advance NIAID's core obligation of researching the causes of the devastating explosions in epidemics of chronic allergic and autoimmune diseases that under his tenure have mushroomed to afflict 54% of children, up from 12.8% when he took charge of NIAID in 1984. While ignoring the explosion of allergic conditions, Dr. Fauci has instead reshaped NIAID into the leading incubator for new pharmaceutical products, many of which, ironically, profit from the cascading chronic disease pandemic. Over the last 50 years at NIH, Dr. Fauci has played a leading role in Big Pharma's engineered demolition of American health and democracy, working hand-in-glove with pharmaceutical companies to overcome federal regulatory obstacles and transform the NIH and NIAID into a single-minded vehicle for development, promotion, and marketing of patented pharmaceutical products, including vaccines and vaccine-like products.
Most of us would like America's doctor to properly diagnose our illnesses using the best science and then instruct us on how to get healthy. What if, instead of spending their entire budgets developing profitable pharmaceutical products, Dr. Fauci and the heads of other NIH institutes deployed researchers to explore the links between glyphosate in food and the explosion of gluten allergies, the link between pesticide residues and the epidemic of neurological diseases and cancers, the causal connections between aluminum and Alzheimer's disease, between mercury from coal plants and escalating autism rates, and the association of airborne particulates with the asthma epidemic. What if NIH financed research to explore the association between childhood vaccines and the explosion of juvenile diabetes, asthma, and rheumatoid arthritis, and the links between aluminum vaccine adjuvants and the epidemics of food allergies and allergic rhinitis? What if they studied the impacts of sugar and soft drinks on obesity and diabetes and the association between endocrine disruptors, processed foods, factory farms, and GMOs on the dramatic decline in public health. What would Americans look like if for 50 years we had a public health advocate running one of our top health agencies instead of a pharma shill? What would have happened if we'd spent that hundreds of billions of dollars on real science instead of drug development? Dr. Fauci seems willing only to give us diagnoses and cures that benefit big pharma instead of public health, and to cover his trail with artifice. His critics have compared Dr. Fauci to a similarly long-lived federal agency bureaucrat, J. Edgar Hoover, who used his five-decade dictatorial control of the FBI to transform the agency into a vehicle for shielding organized crime fortifying his corrupt political partners, oppressing black Americans, surveilling his political enemies, suppressing free speech and dissent, and as a platform for building a cult of personality around his own inflated ego. More recently, Dr. Fauci's perennial biographer, Charles Ortleb, analogized Dr. Fauci's career and pathological mendacity to the sociopathic conmen Bernie Madoff and Charles Ponzi. Another critic, author J.B. Handley, labeled Dr. Fauci a snake oil salesman and a bigger medical charlatan than Rasputin. Economist and author Peter Navarro, former director of trade and manufacturing policy, observed during a national network television interview in April 2021 that Fauci is a sociopath and a liar. His white lab coat his official title, and his groaning bookshelves crowded with awards from his medical cartel collaborators allow Dr. Fauci to masquerade as a neutral, disinterested scientist and selfless public servant driven by a relentless commitment to public health. But Dr. Fauci doesn't really do public health. By every metric, his 50-year regime has been a catastrophe for American health. But as a businessman, his success has been boundless. In 2010, Dr. Fauci told adoring New Yorker writer Michael Spector 
that his go-to political playbook is Mario Puzo's novel, The Godfather. He spontaneously recited his favorite line from Puzo's epic, It's nothing personal. It's strictly business. Please go to the Children's Health Defense website for the acknowledgments and notes by chapter, updates to data, and new information that becomes available on any of the subject matter covered in this audiobook.